The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In today's message, Elder Mike Ivey presents a view of the Lord Jesus Christ that is necessary for us in dealing with this present evil world. Have you ever been stressed out? Have you ever been struggling with the details of life? Have you ever been discontent? The truth is that if any of these apply to you, it's probably because you don't have the right view of Christ. I know whereof I speak because that's my problem from time to time. In today's message, which is the first half of a sermon preached by Elder Mike Ivey on the occasion of the ordination of Elder John Morgan Owens on May 14, 2022, he begins to teach us about what the proper view of Christ should be. I hope you'll join us today and also tomorrow for the conclusion of this wonderful message about our view of Christ. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
this morning, if you would, for a few moments, um, please turn with me to John chapter 12. And in John chapter 12, <clears throat> there is a, a narrative um, of some Greeks, and I think there is a significance um, to the fact that these were Greek um, Hellenistic Jews, or Hellenist Jews, if you will, um, who were seeking out um, Christ. They no doubt had heard of him and had heard uh, many claims about his wisdom, perhaps about uh, miracles that he had performed, um, the impact that he was having uh, on those that heard him, and um, also um, the effects that he was having on those who opposed him. And uh, being Greeks and being uh, of a Hellenist um, orientation, which is to say that they were um, educated and um, immersed in Greek culture and the values of Greek culture, etc., not to say that they were um, not seeking to serve um, their Jehovah God, but nevertheless, there was an orientation there that was heavily influenced by um, Greek society and culture. And so with all of that in mind and with um, great emphasis that um, Greek culture placed on um, the seeking of truth, um, they um, came to where Jesus was said to be. And in verse 20, in verse 20, um, it says, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was at Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and talketh, uh, telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus, and Jesus answered them. And I want to stop for just a moment and... Um, uh, provide uh, a, an explanation of some of the significance that I see um, in them uh, seeking to see Jesus. <clears throat> you know, when, when uh, very often when we say, you know, well, I want to see this person, it's not simply that we want to be in the presence of that person so that we can look at them so that we can have a, a visualization of who they are. Um, usually if we want to see someone, um, we have... Uh, a purpose in doing so, and uh, we either wish to convey information to them or to pose questions to them so that they can convey information back to us. Now, where Jesus is concerned, there is a very interesting thing when you study scriptures. I don't know if it, maybe some of you have noticed this, but have you ever noticed that someone would ask Jesus a question? And the answer that he gives doesn't exactly fit the question they asked. Okay, that happens all the time. Okay? That's because Jesus knew their hearts. He knew what was behind the question. Okay? Other times, um, such as this, qua uh, this case, the question was never asked. And it wasn't necessary for um, them to pose a, a specific question. And they may, in fact, may have, um, but the... Uh, under divine inspiration, the narration uh, sees no significance in them posing their question. It's the answer that's important. And so it may be that Jesus understood their reason for wanting to see him and the questions that they had, 
or it may be that they in fact ask, but it's not necessary for us to have that information. In either case, <clears throat> Jesus um, uh, directs his response. Um, we can infer that Jesus' response is um, directed in a way to answer the question, the pertinent question that they had. And that is, um, how do we see Jesus? And, and here we have, and, and this is the significance, I think, of this particular text. Um, we see this some other places in scripture, but here we have it in Jesus' words, okay? Here we have um, a, a vision of Christ, a, a perspective, a way of thinking about him, um, a context um, for God, if you will, um, that comes directly from God. In other words, Jesus is saying, okay, you want to see me. And the reason you want to see me is you want to understand who I am and what I'm about. <clears throat> so I'm going to tell you um, who I am and what I'm about. And here is Jesus' own um, presentation of himself um, in um, answering and giving the appropriate answer for believers. And this is the point that, that I want to focus down on. Here is the appropriate answer for believers who want to see Jesus having a mind of who he is and um, what is the significance of his being. And it says, um, and Jesus answered them, and said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat shall fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. I want to stop right there for a moment. <clears throat> Notice what he's saying here. He's saying the vision that I want you to have of me, the the, the mind picture um, that uh, you are to have of me in um, all circumstance, in, in, in other words, the, the overarching perspective of your life uh, so far as the impact that Jesus has on you um, should be that he is the glorious God, Amen. that God has glorified him. And that the evidence of that, um, of his glory, is that uh, as it is with nature, when a seed which has uh, been taken from a plant and has dried out and has no appearance of life whatsoever, it's just a dry, hard seed. When that seed is put in the ground, it comes up out of the ground. <clears throat> and in like manner, um, when Jesus, um, in the uncomeliness of the human uh, form, <clears throat> was um, uh, crucified on Calvary's cross and gave up the ghost, uh, he went into the ground like that seed. And he said, <clears throat> but that seed, when it's placed in the ground and abideth alone there, abideth alone there, okay? Do you, do, do you see again <clears throat> that the significance of this is that we're about to see a miracle um, that is a miracle produced by something that is dead, <clears throat> by something that is dead. 
From this we can understand that there ought be no question that when Christ said it is finished and gave up the ghost, by every understanding of, uh, of, uh, of medicine, um, every experience with, uh, with death, Jesus um, was dead. And being dead, he was alone in his death. He was alone in his death. And so it was dead Jesus, alone in his dead, um, who was placed in the ground. Now, so far we haven't seen anything glorious here, have we? <clears throat> so far, um, everything that Jesus has talked about, whether he's speaking about the seed um, or using the seed as a, uh, as a metaphor for his own circumstance, um, everything that he's talking about, all of us have much experience with uh, where the human condition is, um, is concerned uh, because we've all, in one way or another, observed death. <clears throat> and there's nothing glorious about death. And the Apostle Paul describes death as being sown in corruption. He describes it as being sown um, in weakness. And so there's nothing glorious um, about um, being dead. And so, um, obviously, um, the glory of God is, is not um, uh, in the death of Jesus Christ, in, in the fact of his death alone, if you'll um, allow me to put it that way, in the fact of his death alone, but rather in what happened in consequence of God accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He goes on and he says, um, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, <clears throat> here is the, the glory <clears throat> that um, Jesus wants us to understand of him uh, where he is concerned. This is the glory that he wants us to understand. That as a single seed goes into the ground, it's a wonder, and even in a sense, a, 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 a minor glory, if you will, that this seed, by all accounts, that is dry and dead, um, in fact, by water and the nourishment from soil, um, sprouts out of the ground. But Jesus isn't talking about simply sprouting out of the ground. He's not talking about uh, he simply being raised from the dead here. <clears throat> he says that that seed will bring forth much fruit. <clears throat> I recently uh, planted a peach tree and a plum tree in my backyard. And, <clears throat> and um, in both instances, these were little dry root, you know, little things about this tall. And in both instances, when I planted them, there were no leaves on them and, and certainly no fruit. And now, they're producing leaves. And in a year or so, I expect that each one of those trees um, will produce many pieces of fruit. And each piece of fruit um, will have its own seed. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, the the glory of my being and the way in which I um, desire for you to see me <clears throat> is um, like that uh, seed that goes in the ground. 
it comes out of the ground and it produces a multitude of fruit. Now, the significance of the multitude of fruit is that you and I, that um, we are the, the, um, the uh, uh, much fruit um, that is brought forth in consequence of Jesus um, dying and going into the ground and being raised from the dead. Now, I want to shift um, for just a moment, and I'm just going to take a few more minutes, Brother uh, John, so I want you to get ready. But I want to shift for <clears throat> just, a, just a moment. If you would turn with me <clears throat> over to um, Colossians chapter 2. Now, <clears throat> we've just presented to you how um, Jesus um, wants us to see him um, in relationship to our lives. If you want um, some more information about that and, and uh, flesh out to even a, a greater extent, go over and read the first and second chapters of the Hebrew letter. In the, in the first uh, chapter, it speaks of um, a God who spake to the fathers through, um, through the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us um, through his son. And then in the second chapter, um, and, and in the first chapter, in speaking to us through his son, um, he relates both the, cre the, the role of the son in the creation, son, S-O-N, the role of the son in the creation, and also as a sacrifice for our sins. <clears throat> and then um, in the um, second chapter, and let, let's just go over and look at the second chapter uh, very quickly, if we might. In, um, in chapter 2, he begins, and, and um, uh, let's back up to um, verse 7 of chapter 2. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou coveredest him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection unto him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we see not all things put under him, but we see Jesus. In other words, he says he put all things under him, but our experience in the present life is not uh, everything is under him. In other words, everything in fact is under him, but that's not our perception right now. <clears throat> what I believe the writer is alluding to there is that um, um, uh, God put death, hell, and the grave under Christ, made them subjective to him, that he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave, but we still feel, face um, death and the grave. We still face that. And so from our perspective, because we still have the specter of our own deaths and we still see other people dying and going into the grave and their bodies remaining in the grave, and we understand the decomposition that takes place in that, um, from our perspective, it doesn't appear that all things are under him, but in fact they are. In fact they are. And that's the point that he's making here. He says, even though... Um, it doesn't appear to us in our own experience that all things have been put under his feet. In fact, all things are under his feet. Amen. Do you see that? That's the way we're to see Jesus. 
That's the way. And so he says, but we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste um, death for every man. And what he's saying is, while we may not in our own personal experience with our loved ones and even with our own failing human condition, while we may by our personal experience uh, not see Jesus having everything under his feet, um, in fact, he tasted death for us um, and uh, having tasted it, um, he survived. He's alive. And that's how we're to see Jesus. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.